Keeping It With Jones, the Lonnie Jones podcast adventure, is brought to you by TKM Incorporated. This company located in Moss, Tennessee, specializes in erosion control, hydro-seeding, hydro-mulch, silt fence. They do minor excavation work, and they also provide traffic control and construction signs. Their mission is keeping people safe. Their passion is wishing that all men could be saved. TKM stands for The King's Men. If you'd like to contact The King's Men, you can contact them at 931-243-3958. 931-243-3958. Or you may email them at tkminc2001 at twlakes.net. That is tkminc2001 at twlakes.net. The King's Men in partnership with Keeping Up With Jones, the Lonnie Jones podcast adventure. SJL General Contractor is a full construction company that primarily focuses on civil construction and asphalt sales in the Huntsville and Fayetteville regions. Services they provide include, but are not limited to, road construction, asphalt material, underground utilities, site work, and demolition. They employ heavy equipment operators, concrete finishers, pipe layers, and CDL dump truck drivers. If you would like for this company to work for you on your project, or if you'd like to work for them as an employee of this family-owned business, you can contact them at 931-433-4660. That is 931-433-4660. Or three W's and a dot sjnl.com. That's www.sjnl.com. SJNL General Contractor is a sponsor of Keeping Up With Jones. Lonnie Jones podcast adventure. I learned to snowboard the year that I turned 40. I made the cover of Old Dogs New Tricks magazine. I actually learned or got my first snowboarding lesson in the lobby of a dormitory at a small private school in Middle Tennessee. Uh, We were up there with some kids at a summer camp, and when the kids were off doing something or they were in bed, the guy that was going to teach me to snowboard said, hey, let me teach you the theoretical idea about snowboarding. Now, when you stand on a snowboard, you got to decide which foot's going downhill first, and I chose to go right-footed downhill first. That's called goofy-footed. He said, "What you all you have to remember is that the foot that bears the weight, that end of the board is going to come to the front. So if I'm sliding down a hill and my right foot is leading the way and I get complacent or negligent or too relaxed and I lean back and put weight on my left foot, then when the weight transfers to my left foot, that side of the board, that end of the board is going to come to the front. Now, sometimes it comes to the front forwards and sometimes it goes to the front backwards and then you catch an edge and that's when you fall. And, and, and that's one of the hardest falls you can take. It, it's similar to falling when you're barefoot water skiing. He said, the only thing you really have to remember in how to control this board is, is if you're going downhill right foot forward and you want to make a, a turn to the to toe side of the board, you flex your right foot, your toes go down, and then you flex the heel of your back foot and, and you'll make a forward turn. If you flex your heel down and your toe down of the opposite foot, you'll make a backwards turn. Now, when you first start learning to snowboard, 
all you do is, is you get on the board and you start drifting from left to right with your toes facing the heel. When you get to the other side of the heel, kind of in an arc pattern, you just pause and you drift back and you never change sides. You just keep your toes facing the heel. It's called toe side skiing. And then you, you do a falling leaf. You go left to right, right to left, left to right, right to left, all the way to the bottom. And when you master that, then you start trying to do the same thing with your heel side. So you stand on the, on the ski slope and, and you start going down the hill and your heels face the slope and you go left to right, right to left, left to right, right to left, and you float back down these little small arcing patterns. And once you can toe side all the way down and once you can heel side all the way down, then you start learning to switch from your toe side to your heel side by flexing the board. And once you do that, you're, you're standing up and you're snowboarding. Now, I never did anything cool on the snowboard. I never rode a half pipe or ground any rails or anything like that. I just learned to, to ride down the hill from top to bottom and carve a little bit. Now, on a blue slope, I could get enough depth into my turn and, and especially in good powder that I could lean over and tickle the snow as I went by. The, the fascination of snowboarding was, was, number one, I quit dreaming I could fly. I used to have these dreams where I could fly a little bit. And I quit dreaming I could fly and would only dream about riding a, a snowboard because it was the closest thing to levitating that you can do, if you, especially if you're in some good powder. And then the other thing that snowboarding allowed me to do was it allowed me to live out my failed skateboarding career. Yeah, you see, before we'd ever heard of anything called a snowboard, there was the skateboard. No one listening to this podcast will be surprised when I tell you there's a cartoon entitled Shot and Bothered. And another cartoon entitled Out and Out Route, and it featured Wild E. Coyote riding a skateboard. It debuted in 1965. I was born in 63, so in the early 70s, I was watching those cartoons, and I had a skateboard. Skateboarding came around in, in probably the early 40s in California, but it probably didn't creep over in Alabama to the 60s to the 70s. And there's this little company that made these very miniature versions of, of surfboards, a company called Makaha. And we had these little Makaha skateboards and we would replace the trucks on them and put these new polyurethane wheels on them. And then all we ever did was, was pavement surf. You, you, we couldn't do any cool tricks. We didn't do any jumps or anything like that. You just get on the board and point it downhill and ride. Now, if you're riding a snow uh, skateboard, we would go down to these, uh, newly developed neighborhoods and find these pristine black paved hills going down to these construction zones. And, you know, we just go over there on Saturdays and, you know, see how far up the hill we could ride down or how, how far down the hill we could go if we started up high enough and, and just, you know, riding down the board with the wind whipping through your hair. The problem with riding a, a skateboard versus a snowboard is there's no snow and something as tiny as a, a gravel Oh, our worst enemy was a sweet gumball. But if you're riding down a, a, a hill on a skateboard and you hit a tiny gravel and it digs into the asphalt and stops that wheel, you will travel through another dimension. And when you come out of that dimensional portal, you end up on the pavement. And we perfected our ninja skills, learning to tuck and roll and barrel roll and run out the end of the, the momentum. And listen, it was a brutal sport. It's a wonder we lived through it. But we had these old Makaha skateboards, and, and we would go and find some hills to ride. Now, eventually, we modified some of our style. We bought helmets, 
And we also did this thing called catamaraning. Now, in order to ride a catamaran style, you, you, you put your board on the ground and I sit on my board and you sit on your board facing me and I put my feet on your board and you put your feet on my board so that our legs make these inverted V's and then we grab each other by the wrist and we start down the hill. And if you lean out and I lean in, we turn one way. And if I lean out and you lean in, we turn the other way. And we got to where we could ride some pretty steep hills and go around some pretty interesting curves uh, using the catamaran style. But before we were smart enough to learn how to ride low to the ground and, and not really, really damage ourselves, we were just trying to pavement surf. We're just trying to ride down these hills. Well, I lived on Williamson Street. And if you walked out my back door, you can get on Google Earth and look at 127 Williamson Street, Oxford, Alabama. And you go out the back of the house and you'll see these woods and you go up to the top of the woods and you emerge from the woods. You're overlooking Quintard Avenue. There's this street called Hale Street. H-A-L-E. Hale Street. I prefer the biblical spelling because of the dangerous part of this hill. Now this, if you look on Google Earth and, and you find this little contour map, you can see that it's about you know, 746 feet above sea level, and it slopes all the way down to about 200 feet above sea level. It makes this run from 746 down to about 200 in about 1,300 feet. I mean, it's it's a gentle slope. If you're walking it, it would be hard to walk up. If you're riding it on a skateboard, it has about a 12% grade, which would make it equivalent to the mid-range of a green run on a snowboard. But remember, this is a skateboard and there is no snow. When we were learning to, to ride these snowboards, we were in Oxford, Alabama, and we'd never seen enough snow to cancel school. Now, as as an adult, I've, I've seen plenty of snow. I've been in Colorado and West Virginia, and we've had snow in Huntsville a couple of times you could play in. But growing up, we never saw any snow. So all we were doing was riding down these hills. And so we left my house on Williamson Street, and we walked up through the woods, and we emerged at the dead end of Hill Street. And so I get on the thing and, and you know, you, you, you jump up on the board and your feet are, are, are facing forward. Uh, when you first start out, you, you, you have a toe pointed forward and you do one or two kicks. And then you bring your other foot on the board and you, you turn so that your feet are perpendicular to the board. And then just to be cool, you kind of do this modified Spider-Man squat. When you reach terminal velocity on a skateboard, you're going down a hill as fast as you can. At some point, the physics catch up with you, and the board begins to tremble. We always just call it the speed wobs. Well, there's this real interesting phenomenon on Hell Street that the road has a hump in the middle. Maybe it was to keep water from draining properly or to make water drain properly. But as you hit this hill, it forces you like the Great Divide to go to one coast or the other. Well, I'm sliding down this hill and, and I hit the speed wobs pretty fast and I've got this force maneuver that sends me to the right. Well, as my board approaches the lawn, I just jump off and, and maintain the run and do a little tumble tuck. And when I pop up, I see my friend Bobby Phillips blaze by me. Now, he's got one of these big wooden boards. He's got number five polyurethane Makaha wheels on it. And I'm thinking he's impervious to the, the speed wobs because of the size and the dimensions of this heavier board. It wasn't quite a long board, but it was much bigger than the little board I was riding. And he goes by me in this tucked position. Now, later on in life, Bobby would marry a girl from my youth group named Gay. 
and and she was a friend of ours, but he's never met anybody, never known anybody, never been friends with anybody named Grace. So here this guy goes tumbling off this hill on this skateboard in his squatted position, and the speed wobs catch him, and Mr. Gravity never sleeps, and, and off this board he goes. The board goes to the right, he goes to the left, and he Pete Roses into the pavement. Oh, he doesn't barrel roll. He doesn't tumble. He doesn't do a ninja roll. He doesn't do a combat roll. He smacks the pavement. And the sound of the grinding flesh as he slides off this hill is horrendous. And he comes to a stop. And I run immediately to him. And his clothes are shredded. And he's got these raw patches on his arms. He's got these raw patches on his knees. And now we've got to walk back up Hell Street. We've got to go back through the woods, and we've got to climb over my back fence. And so we're walking, taking this miserable death march through these hot summer woods and going down this steep hill. And then we've got to climb over my fence. And Bobby's a pretty good-sized boy. And we get to my fence, and I get on my hands and knees, and he steps on my back, and I try to raise up with him and just kind of dump him over the fence. Well, we finally get to my house, and, and the blood is now starting to dry on his scrape marks, and he's getting stiff, and he can't move, and my mom opens the door, and we're standing there on, on the back steps, and my mom <laughs> looks at Bobby, and she starts to cry. Bobby looks at me and goes, what's wrong with her? <laughs> Well, we called Bobby's dad, Mr. Phillips, and you, you've got to understand, Mr. Phillips looked like Doc Savage. He was this gentleman that worked in a machine factory, worked in a foundry. He had these chiseled features, and he had this widow's peak and this dark, slick back hair like Doc Savage. And so we called Mr. Phillips one of the few grown men I was afraid of. And Mr. Phillips comes driving over, and, and we walk Bobby out to the street, and my mom is in tow, and I've got Bobby's overnight stuff. And we walk out to the car to meet Mr. Phillips, and, and when we get out there, Mom starts talking to him, and she starts crying again. Bobby's laying in the back seat of the car, looks up at me and my crying mother, and he moans. And Mr. Phillips looks is so bewildered that he doesn't understand what's going on. He can't figure out why he's got a crippled son, and my mother is crying. And my mom crying is the epitome of empathy. Empathy is a function of compassion. Compassion means the ability to suffer with another. It's not suffering for another. It's suffering with another. You know, it, it's meeting you at the back door and looking at your wounds, and looking at the mess you've made of yourself, and not going, hey, you boys are really stupid. Hey, that may be the dumbest thing any human's ever tried to do. Don't you have better sense than to try to ride down a hill that, that is it's the same slope as a green snowboard hill? No, we didn't get any of that. What we got was her pain at his pain. What we got was that she saw that he was hurt, and the fact that he was suffering caused her to suffer. She suffered on his account, and she suffered with him, and she suffered for him. And, and empathy is non-judgmental. Empathy makes the, the point moot that you've done something wrong, or you've done something stupid, or you've done something and it was your fault. Empathy is just meeting the person where they're at and not worrying about how they got there. 
not worrying about the dumb decisions that could have prevented it, not worrying about the preventive maintenance, which is too late. It's just simply meeting a person where they are in their pain with their scars and with their wounds and hurting with them. Sympathy is recognizing that the person is in a position that you don't want to be in and you're glad you're not in. And it's not inappropriate to have sympathy for people that you're not very connected to, but empathy is much better because empathy says that I, I, I can feel your pain and because I feel your pain, I'm in pain. Empathy is the idea of, of that when I listen to you about your problems, and I listen to the things that have happened to you, and I listen to the things that frighten you, and I listen to the things that scare you, and I listen to the things that hurt you. I, I listen to you in such a way that you feel like that I see the world from your perspective. And although I don't fully understand your grief, and I don't fully understand your sorrow, and I don't fully understand your trauma, I, I'm not actually experiencing it, but I live as if I were experiencing it because I, I understand that you're hurt. I understand that you're wounded. I understand that you're scared. I understand that you're disappointed. I understand that you're sad. And, and learning how to re interact with people with empathy learning how to put ourselves in other people's shoes with compassion. It's, it's a thing that, that scientifically we call mirror neurons. It, it's the, the, the thing that we possess, and, and most healthy people have them. It, it's a, a thing in our brains that allows us to experience other people's experiences vicariously. It's why we can watch football. It's, it's why we can watch entertainment. It's why we can watch things and, and put ourselves in the as if I were there. That, that part of our brain lights up when we see somebody else do it, even though we're not doing it ourselves. And people with a mirror neuron deficit can't see other people's plight. They can't see other people's perspective. They can't see other people's pain. And they end up living in a world where they are antisocial or sometimes sociopathic. But real empathy, real compassion comes from the idea that I can see you as a human and not see you as a failed human, but see you as a human who fell. And because you fell and you got wounded and you got scarred and you got hurt, empathy is the ability to, to, to feel your wounds with you so that you know somebody cares about you. Compassion is seeing someone in distress and being upset that you can't help them, but being willing to suffer with them. Compassion deals mainly with suffering. Empathy is, is both. Empathy is the idea that you won, you won and I celebrated the victory. Empathy is the idea that, that you got married and, and, and I was happy for you on your special day. Empathy is the idea that a new baby was born and it was either your child or your grandchild and I, and I celebrated with you and I celebrated for you. Compassion with empathy is the idea that, that you fail, and I fail with you, not literally, but in my heart and in my mind. You fail, and I experienced that fall as if, and real empathy and real compassion is that, that when you fall, and you're hurt, and you're scarred, and you're bleeding, not only did I notice your pain, but I feel some of that pain. E empathy and compassion is, is like my mom. You get hurt, but she cries.
Using the tool of shortwave radio, World Christian Broadcasting literally covers the world every day with the gospel. They use two large curtain antennas. One is located in Anchor Point, Alaska, and the other in Madagascar. They send out messages that are recorded at their international home in Franklin, Tennessee. They make available 40 hours of broadcast every day. The broadcasts are made in English, Chinese, Russian, Spanish, Portuguese, Korean, English for Africa, and Arabic. They would love for your group to visit them. You can bring your ladies group, your youth group, or your men's group. Just give them a call at 615-371-8707. 615-371-8707. Or you can go to three W's and a dot worldchristian.org find the donate here button and make a financial contribution to support this work that literally covers the world every day with the gospel world christian broadcasting in cooperation with keeping up with jones the lonnie jones podcast adventure Keeping up with Jones, the Lonnie Jones podcast adventure is sponsored by us. What? We sponsor ourselves? Is that even legal? Check us out on Amazon. You can have access to the titles of Pedagogue, the youth ministry book by Lonnie Jones. Cognitive spiritual development, a Christ-centered approach to spiritual self-esteem. Grappling with life, controlling your inside space. A small essay using the principles of Brazilian Jiu-Jitsu to talk about psychological and emotional self-defense. If I Were a Mouse, a children's book written and illustrated by Lonnie Jones. And then The Selfish Reel, a very short story about a decision. Also, you can check out our YouTube channel to see archived lessons and presentations from across the country. Some videos with uh, rope tricks and knots. Don't forget to visit the uh, Facebook page, 550 Guys, to learn about the little rope men that we make and that we invented and that we make. And then be sure to click like, subscribe, and share. This is Keeping Up With Jones, the Lonnie Jones Podcast Adventure. Mm -hmm.